Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... The majority of the individuals that are currently incarcerated stem from some sort of childhood trauma, disadvantage, and lack of opportunities as well. Instead of looking at the exact crime that they've done, understand that they are serving their time for those actions, but we should be looking deeper into the root causes of what led them to doing that crime. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 420 of Impact Boom. My name's Sarah, and I'm passionate about visioning, empowering, and contributing to initiatives and enterprises that are causing positive transformation locally and globally. Today, we are speaking with Joe Kwon. At the age of 21, Joe was sentenced to 13 years in prison for directing a criminal enterprise. During his time in prison, he met a positive mentor who challenged his perceptions and attitudinal outlook on life. Joe learned about business and the value of education, but most importantly, his mentor taught him about self-worth from a prison cell. From directing a criminal enterprise today, Joe is the founder and CEO of a social enterprise called Confit and a not-for-profit Confit Pathways, where he mentors that sense of self-worth to inmates to thrive in society. Joe's mission is to help reduce recidivism in Australia and create employment and educational opportunities for individuals coming out of custody by breaking down society's preconceived notions of inmate stereotypes and providing community support through mentors with lived experience. Joe is known to be a catalyst and innovator, using lived experience to create a platform that bridges the social gap between former inmates and the wider society through fitness. He is a 2022 Westpac Social Fellow and a 2022 Snow Entrepreneur. Through his lived experience and knowledge of fitness, Joe is helping people from all walks of life to train to be free. On today's episode, we will discuss how Joe's time in prison led to him working innovatively both within and outside the prison system, the ways in which Joe is working with Confit and Confit Pathways to support former and current inmates to thrive. Joe, it's awesome to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks for having me. Could you please share a bit about your background and what it is that's led you to where you are today? Yeah, so I uh, just look in a nutshell, I don't want to explain my whole life story, but in a nutshell, I grew up in a community that was very um, marginalized, full of violence, substance abuse, and I never had any male role model or like figures that guided me in a positive path. And I came from a very broken household with a lot of domestic violence. And naturally, you know, all these young people that come from broken households gravitate towards each other. Ended up joining a gang at a young age and dropped out of high school in year 10. And that was pretty much my path of crime until I was arrested at the age of 21. 
and I was sentenced to 13 years in prison for directing a criminal enterprise and for the sale of large commercial quantities of drugs. Honestly, until then, I thought that was like my kind of path in life. And then I went to prison and realized looking around that there was a common denominator of people that were in there for some sort of childhood trauma, disadvantage, and most commonly, the lack of education. I fit that this statistic. I was in there for, I dropped out of school in year 10 and all these other stuff. There was a common denominator. So I asked all these people that were known to be career criminals. And I said, look, if you're that good, why do you keep on coming back to jail? And their response was, if you want to be a part of this game or this life, expect to come to jail more often. I was already doing a 13-year sentence and I didn't want to come back to jail and, you know, I wanted to change my life around and I didn't know how to do that. Surprisingly, I ended up meeting a really positive mentor while I was in custody. He was my cellmate. He was a billionaire accountant. He came to prison for Australia's largest tax fraud. And not only did he teach me accounting every day, but he taught me about a business. He taught me about education, the value of education. And most importantly, he taught me about self-worth. And it was those teachings that carried me forward. I ended up doing my HSC in jail, got accepted into the University of New South Wales, and I graduated. And today, I run a social enterprise and a not-for-profit that helps individuals that have been affected by the justice system to find pathways to employment, education, and providing wraparound support for them. And this is all done through mentors with lived prison experience who are able to relate to people that are incarcerated or coming out of incarceration because we walk, we are a fitness-based organization, given that I think everyone can resonate with me when I say this, but during lockdown, how important fitness was for mental health. That was my saving grace when I was incarcerated. I used to train every day. And even though my body was incarcerated, whenever I used to train, my mind used to be free. So our slogan for ConFit is train to be free. Because we're not just helping individuals that are incarcerated to change their lives around, but also people from all walks of life in the community approach us to help them, not just around fitness, but around the mindset side of having more resilient mindset and being more positive, even though they're not incarcerated, but just in life. Sometimes there's a metaphorical prison, right? We help people in society train to be free, especially during lockdown. We're helping companies such as Atlassian and Google the employees to train to be free and who better to do that than those who have experienced incarceration, right? That's pretty much my background and where I'm at the moment. Amazing. In terms of your team at Comfit, can you tell us a little bit more about what the work is that they're doing, the size of your team and the day-to-day? What does it look like in terms of the impact you're generating? Yep. Currently, we are based in New South Wales, predominantly Sydney. So we have a team of eight mentors that have lived prison experience. They're all fitness trainers and they've all changed their lives around. It's a quite specific kind of criteria to join our team. So men and women, we currently go into every youth justice center across New South Wales, except for one. So there's six. We're in five centers across those six and we provide mentoring for young people that are currently incarcerated. We run nine-week programs that are based around fitness. So fitness is a way to engage and break any sort of barriers down. And then we talk about topics such as gratitude, self-worth, goal setting, anything that we need to have a positive mindset while they're incarcerated and tools that we can help them. 
when they transition out into the community. We're about to open up a gym in Parramatta. So we do provide ongoing support out in the communities. We have a through care model, but that has been a little bit disjointed because all our mentors, either gym managers or trainers at individual gyms that are dispersed across Sydney. But what we're trying to do now is have a one location where we could call our HQ and we could have people coming out of the justice system to receive that ongoing mentoring at this place. And we're now hiring these individuals full-time to work as mentors and trainers. It's a social enterprise model. So that means that we receive revenues from memberships that we sell to the community to train with us. We direct a lot of those profits back into our social cause, into our, our programs that we run in youth uh, justice centers. We also target adults as well in corrections. So we're now trialing out a pilot. We're trialing this across four different centers across New South Wales. And the whole thing was right now in society, there's a huge shortage of skilled labor not just in the fitness industry, but all industries. So it was like, how do we tackle that? And how do we provide that education and upskilling for individuals that are just sitting idle in corrections at the moment? We've got now a partnership with TAFE, New South Wales and Australian Institute of Fitness, where they provide Cert 3, Cert 4 certification for inmates who love training in jail anyway. <laughs> and now they get qualified and they come out right. to our gym. Yeah. And then we provide an eight-week upskilling program with a partnership with One Playground Academy. During the eight weeks, they are now onboarded onto our community. They get that wraparound support. And we've got partnerships in the fitness industry that provide employment into the fitness industry. And it's not just as a PT but it's the fitness industry. It could be across all different types of roles. That's pretty much what we do as a social enterprise. We don't just focus on the fitness industry. We also have partnerships with multiple other industries, such as hospitality, rail construction, marketing, you name it. Some of these young people might not want to work in the fitness industry. So we've got other options for them as well. But we understand also that education has been a huge key to not just my change, but all of our mentors right now who are working with us. And so we've got a partnership with the University of New South Wales, where we provide full scholarships and campus accommodation for young people that are on our program that want to pursue higher education as well. Yeah. Amazing. Wow. Joe, I'm really curious, what are some of the lesser known factors to reduce recidivism? We all know the common factors, which is how do we reduce substance abuse issues? housing for individuals coming out of the justice system, employment pathways or employment, education, and kind of that community support. But the lesser known factors, one is what we're trying to do is really advocate to society about society's negative preconceived notions of inmate stereotypes, which then is a barrier to other opportunities. Straight away when you mention, and when you're on parole, you do have to mention that you're on parole to your prospective employers or your, or your community. So it's like, how do you get that acceptance? How do you break down that barrier, that trust, the lack of trust from the beginning? That's one of our biggest missions is when we're creating this gym and we're advocating to society as well, that we understand that there are a very small minority of people that we believe that should not be let out of custody, but that is a very small minority. Like I said before, the majority of the individuals that are currently incarcerated stem from some sort of childhood trauma, disadvantage, and lack of opportunities as well. 
instead of looking at the exact crime that they've done, understand that they are serving their time for those actions, but we should be looking deeper into the root causes of what led them to doing that crime. What are the circumstances and the environments that led them to do that crime? It's more about like educating through lived experience stories and just letting people know that not everyone is bad. They're not bad people. It's just the circumstances that led them to that point. So that's one thing to society's perception. Another thing is, I think, psychological factors. A lot of inmates that are coming out of custody, they have a lack of self-worth. Once again, like that sense of societal acceptance, that belonging factor. And I feel that having a supportive community to help them through that, so individuals that have lived prison experiences or who've walked that path, also to show as case studies of people with lived experience that have come out of the system and that they've changed their life and that they're doing something positive in the community. So for people to see that as well, that's a huge morale boost. I think they're more the non-tangible things that need to be worked on. There's not too much of a focus on that. Right now, everyone's like, get them a house, get them some education, get them employment, and they should be sweet. But sometimes when you get a house, how do I pay rent? Like maybe these jobs that they get, they don't feel that sense of purpose or accomplishment in doing these jobs and they burn out quickly. It's that, why should I educate myself? If no one was educated in your household, there's no sense of wanting to educate themselves. Having to know that as well is super important. And that's what we do through our mentoring programs. Amazing. There's so many factors and drilling back down to reminding people to separate the action from the person and all those invisible factors that are going to impact how people are going to reintegrate and enter into their next chapters of life, whatever that is that they powerfully choose for themselves. Yeah, correct. And as a professional working in this space with former and current inmates, what are some of the challenges? And you've mentioned some of them, but the challenges, the opportunities and the possibilities that you see ahead in these spaces. Referring back to what we're doing, I guess scalability is always an issue. How do we create autonomous teams, not just in Sydney, but in regional areas as well? Because there's a lot of centers based in regional. There's a lot of people from regional areas that are getting incarcerated. And how do we go into other states? That's always been an issue that we're trying to work around. Also, there's the question of the working with children's check. If you work in the youth justice space and you have lived prison experience, New South Wales is probably the easiest state to obtain working with children's check. I know in Queensland, where you're from, they call it a blue card and they make it really impossible for people with lived prison experience to be able to obtain a blue card. Other states and territories are different as well. That is a challenge that we're trying to solve. Once again, we're trying to collaborate with other not-for-profits that are delivering programs, not just in the youth justice space, but that are working with children with people with lived prison experience. We really believe that this should be done under one body, one federal kind of selection or criteria, not every individual state and territory having their own rules and regulations, policies. We're trying to really push for that. Another opportunity is the work that we do of reducing recidivism 
cannot be done by one individual or one organization. So a lot of the work that we do, there's is a lot of cross-sector collaboration, partnerships with a lot of other individuals that are working in this space. Trying to grow that is a huge opportunity. I've come across a few organizations recently as well that have really impressed me and that I've been wanting to work with. The use of tech is something that's very interesting at the moment. During lockdown, majority of the correctional students started using these tablets because there was no contact visits because it is a vulnerable population for individuals that are in custody. So there was no contact visits. All the visits were done through these tablets. And through that came a lot of opportunities in regards to inmates are able to make phone calls to the families by using tablets. So they get tablet access in their cells. They are able to access movies through it. Now the opportunities of providing education through these tablets, whereas before it was very hard to come across computers. Now this is solving a lot of issues of upskilling educated inmates while they're in custody and providing materials for inmates as well while they're in custody as well. So that's one. Another thing is the use of apps. So with our mentoring program, we deliver nine-week programs to Sydney metropolitan centers. But when it comes to regional centers, it's very hard to provide that ongoing mentoring support out in the community. So we're about to develop an app that we're able to engage young people without any boundaries. So it's two-way communication system, videos and all that kind of stuff. So it's very interactive. So we're working on that at the moment. Yeah. Amazing. I'm, I'm sure there's more, but I just can't think of it at the moment. Oh, no, but it's really interesting for a lot of people who don't work in these spaces or yeah. Aren't across what kind of developments, like you were alluding to during lockdown, what sort of changes have taken place and what that means for what's possible. Yeah. And I'm really curious, and you alluded to that there were some inspiring projects that you've been hearing about and initiatives. Yep. So love to hear about what you've come across recently that's doing great stuff and in, inspiring creative, positive change. Yes. Yeah, so last week I ended up meeting an organization called ReLove. So they're like the Oz Harvest of the furniture business. I didn't even know this. So apparently furniture is the second largest landfill after food waste. What they're doing is they're collecting secondhand furniture from commercial businesses, hotels, and refurbishing them. And then having like an Ikea style warehouse where individuals that are not just from the justice system, but maybe from domestic violence or whoever gets, whoever receives public housing, maybe refugees or whoever they may be, they get this house, but there's no furniture. So how do you solve that issue? They bring them along to their warehouse and they've got every section from kitchen, bathroom, living room, bedroom, and they can choose, yeah, they get to choose what they want. And I think they're doing a lot of corporate team building stuff where they bring corporates in to do like reupholstering challenges and for furniture. So I thought it was a really cool idea uh, of solving two different social issues. That was one organization. Another organization is one of our partners played it forward. I don't know if you heard of them. They have restaurants and they provide meals to, I guess, the less fortunate and they hire a lot of refugees. So they're about to open up a restaurant called Kiev Social where they're hiring uh, refugees from Ukraine to do Ukrainian food. I thought that was a cool concept, but they've just recently done a program in youth justice centers where they're bringing celebrity chefs and teach young people how to fall in love with the hospitality industry, with food. 
now to just hide three of those young people that have come through their program. So that was something pretty cool. They're the two organizations that came to mind. Yeah, amazing. That's fantastic. And Joe, to finish off, are there any books or resources that you would recommend to our listeners? Look, I guess one book that really stayed with me was a book which I read while I was incarcerated and it's called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Viktor Frankl was a clinical psychiatrist who was in the concentration camps during the Nazi occupation and it was his search for meaning and purpose in life in that negative environment that he was in. It was a real perspective changer reading that book. Another recommendation is, I don't know if you guys are into crime podcasts. It's not really a crime podcast, but it's called the Clink podcast. So it's called the Stories of Redemption. So it's about individuals that have come out of prison who are doing really positive things in society. So if you're interested in that, you can listen to that. So it's Clink podcast. Fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing. And thanks for your generous time and your insights and everything you're doing with Common Fit and beyond. Yeah, thank you. Super excited to be on and yeah, have a nice day. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. 